Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Well, what's happening out there, guys? Welcome to Electric Liberty Land 245. I want to uh, to say happy Labor Day, everybody. I'm not going to go into a whole diatribe about it. I already did that to my wife in the car this morning about how Labor Day, of course, is supposedly set to remind us about how these unions achieved all these gains for us when we know in our little hearts of hearts the truth, which is that technological advancements led to all of the benefits we have today, the free market, innovation, entrepreneurship. That is what led us to have the free time available and the benefits brought to us by industrialization, a.k.a. you no longer had to have children working because you had manufacturing lines. You had people able to produce far more product with far less time and far less heavy lifting and labor required of them, allowing us to have free time that allows us to then go on with other entrepreneurial venues or, or ventures, excuse me, or at least that's the way it would be if the government didn't get involved and try to stop us by putting up all these roadblocks, red tape, corporate tax rates, etc. But I digress, I digress. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm in a pretty good mood. If you had uh, heard my good morning fuckhead rant this morning, uh, you would have heard that I got two white pills over the weekend from two very liberal sources who have now turned turned a different color, a, a rosier shade of politics insofar as I'm concerned, and who have confessed that they are now seeing the world as I do, or at least partially. You know, I, they're never going to see the world fully as I do, but in some way, shape, or form, they have come around from the progressivism that has uh, embraced and colored the way in which they viewed the world and the way in which they viewed the government and cast quite a shadow on the government and made them realize that the way in which this world operates is one based upon power, based upon self-interest, and that once you get out in that entrepreneurial space, once you start waking up and opening your eyes to the way in which you're being manipulated, how these minor, minor issues get blown out of proportion every single day, and it dominates the news cycle, and it dominates culture, and it dominates everything else, how this is not reality and how things have to change. So I'm in a fantastic mood to start this off, despite the fact that StreamYard delayed me a little bit. Damn you, StreamYard. They're having some server issues, but that's all right. I'm here. I'm Brian McWilliams. <laughs> I'm here. I'm queer. Get used to it. It doesn't really make sense. So anyway, welcome to the show. Um, you know what? Kicking off, guys, I want to tell you, we've got our Degenerate Gamblers starting up this week. Of course, that is a show. It's a bonus show. It is funny stories. It is gambling picks. And of course, lamenting gambling losses that we do, me, Odie, and Rico. And sometimes we have special guests on as well. But we do that starting up this week. We're going to be recording it tomorrow. And we do that the entire football season where you can actually take part. If you're in the Lions of Liberty Pride, go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Or if you're in the Locals group, we started up. We now have a Locals page. Again, locals.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. No, sorry, Lions of Liberty locals.com. Get in there. You can take part in this uh, this event. And you can still get, get signed up. We're going to start it off. Basically, it's a little fun bucks gambling thing where you can win merch, T-shirts, et cetera. But good timing. So we also have a fantasy football league that's already going. If you're playing daily fantasy, if you're playing fantasy sports, if you're gambling and you want help winning your league, help making your picks, we have a new sponsor for the show, which is 
Football Insider Edge. Now, you can get 20% off by going to footballinsideredge.com, putting in promo code LIONS, but these guys have been around, they have been named and recognized by the fantasy industry. Fantasy Football Writers Association actually named them as Football Writers of the Year. So these guys have some chops to them. You're not just uh, making crap up out of thin air. Give you your daily fantasy picks. Give you your uh, your long-term picks. If you're gambling, they have prop bets on players, long player prop bets. They went like 21-4 and on last year. So they are going to give you some good insight. And like I said, you can get in there and get 20% off. FootballInsiderEdge.com. Use that promo code LIONS. So also, uh, I guess the reason I'm, I, I should be blackpilled by this news. And that's not a bad pun because this is a very black-centric movie. But coming in. You know, that I titled the episode, It's Not White People, It's Government. And the reason I did that was that I was inspired to talk about this topic because I went and saw Candyman with a buddy of mine on a Sunday, the Sunday you know, evening before Labor Day. And we go in there. I had no idea it was a Jordan Peele movie as I roll my eyes. And, you know, Jordan Peele's a guy that I really liked. I thought Key and Peele was a great show. I thought it was funny. I thought it was poignant. Um, but as I see more of his films, like Get Out, I thought eh, Get Out was fine. I mean, I wasn't really blown away by it. I didn't think it was anything exceptionally brilliant. I just, it was fine. You know, I, I it was, it was actually in my, in my mind, reminiscent of some other horror films that have been made. And of course, it was very racially centric. I had a few things that didn't really make sense in it, but it was fine. It was a fine film. I enjoyed it. Then there was This Is Us, meh. And again, you know, it's like the Rotten Tomatoes rankings. Like I talked about with, with Chappelle's show or Chappelle's last comedy special, which you'd think would have had the best rankings, right? The best reaction and reviews, but it got slammed because it didn't toe the woke line. So now we've got the opposite with Jordan Peele or any of these other very politically woke activist films. And that's what this is. It's activist filmmaking masquerading as horror. You have this 99% Rotten Tomatoes positive reviews and people glowing about what is empirically, I don't know, a, a fine remake. I thought it's not as good as the original. And it is, I, sh I shouldn't say remake. It's a sequel to the original Candyman, right? Which is about differences in race and also class, uh, class struggles in the ghetto, right? It centers around this ghetto, ghetto area of Chicago. But it had both, you know, white, a white woman kind of like this as the quasi villain, the quasi hero that, you know, comes in. It was an interesting film. I highly recommend people see it. So this is a sequel. I didn't realize that instead of a remake from Jordan Peele, which I didn't know at the time. But I very quickly came to realize it because when you sit down and spoiler alert, I won't write, I won't ruin the whole movie for you, but spoiler alert on some of these things. It's very much focused on gentrification and on the creation of ghettos. Now, those are two things. I have no problem with gentrification because honestly, the way I look at it, I feel that these people that are in these neighborhoods are not being forced out in many situations. They, In fact, if anything, they are being offered exceptionally high amounts of money for these properties that they can then sell, make a better lives themselves and go elsewhere. It's not like somebody's coming in and forcing these people out of gunpoint to gentrify a neighborhood. You literally have to have people willing to sell that property at least in 2021, in the past 30 years. Now, if we're going way back when, when we're talking about the annexation of property, right, that's a different story. And if we're talking about 
the ways in which the ghettos were created, right? Built and created when we're talking about redlining. People saying we're not going to sell to certain minority groups. We're not going to allow them to bank here. We're not going to allow them to buy real estate here. That's a different animal. Now, those things also happen predominantly, not to point figures at Republican or Democrat, but predominantly under Democratic leadership, right? The ghettos were created under Democratic leadership, and they were not created with only the kind-hearted things in mind. These were created quasi out of racism. Let's put these people somewhere. And Jordan Peele and his co-author, I think it was the director, like a female director, they make a point of saying that, you know, these ghettos were created as basically, as I referred to the welfare system, as gilded cages. They were cheap, affordable housing that they basically pushed these people into who had been decimated by their families being broken up, who had been decimated by over-policing, who had been decimated by, uh, by the drug war as it was put into place. You know, this is before Reagan destroyed everything with crack, but still, you had marijuana prohibition, you had uh, over-policing, as I just said, of these environments. And you had incentive systems being set up under this democratic, democratic, uh, I don't know, mirage of sainthood. And let's just give these people what they want when really it is a way of control. It is always a method of control. So they talk about the creation of these ghettos and they very, they lay it out very plainly that they were forced into these areas that they build up. And then they later on, they tear them down, right? And then they force these people out and they tear them down. They gentrify them. And now they invite all these other people, these white families. And there was kind of a funny moment in the film where a white critic turns it on the black pro, uh, protagonist of the film and says, well, you're an artist. This guy's a painter. You're an artist. And Artists are part of the problem when it comes to gentrification, because when they tear down these lofts and they tear down these ghettos and they rebuild them, they invite in these cheap, you know, these artists who want cheap, plentiful rent to come in and nest there, not have to work that hard and be able to just to paint and fuck around. And that's kind of the first stage. And, <laughs> and a lot of that's true. What do you think about the way in which these movements happen very often? It starts off as very bohemian. You look at Brooklyn, you look at Queens, you look at downtown LA, and you look at how these pl these places grow and it's very bohemian hipster and it's all artists moving into these kind of poor areas where they can find cheap rent. And then yes, they, they make the areas uh, nicer and better. But again, someone has to rent to them. Now, the problem I have with Jordan Peele and this, this concept is that he blames white people. And he does it very explicitly. And he also, of course, gets into what is basically white people murder porn, right? There's a scene in a bathroom. Spoiler alert. But again, this doesn't ruin the movie for you. There's a scene in the, in the movie where five girls are in the bathroom. And this one girl had gone to the art show and she saw this Candyman exhibit that the, uh, the protagonist had put up. It says, say his name, right? That's the whole thing. You have to say his name five times in the mirror and Candyman appears. And then he fucking kills you. So... There were five girls in the bathroom, you know, popular, popular girls. And they're in the bathroom standing there. And they start to say, Candyman, Candyman. And it's four white girls and one Asian girl. And when the scene started, I said, oh, it's interesting. They got one Asian chick in there and four white girls. So I don't see any black chicks in this. So I know what's going to happen here. So sure as shit, I'll be right. But they start saying Candyman, Candyman. And what happens? The Asian girl, after two Candyman, says, oh, I can't do this. It runs out. That's what happens. Just white chicks. They got, they got her the only woman of color in there because they couldn't kill off on screen a person that wasn't white, right? Because then it wouldn't be murder porn. So, and they, and, you know, there's other, other white, white people that get killed earlier, too. 
So the Asian girl runs out hilariously. And I'm just like, oh, well, okay. Now I definitely know what's happening. And naturally, the girls say Candyman and nothing happens. And then what happens? Oh, a black girl walks in and they bully her. Because that happens all the time, right? There's always always black chicks getting bullied in bathrooms in, in 2021. So there's the white white murder porn aspect of it. But like I said, my main problem was less with that as ridiculous as that was, and more with the fact that Jordan Peele goes out of his way to say that this is like a white people problem. Like, white people did this. White people are the ones that gentrified us. White people are the ones that forced us into these ghettos, that built these ghettos. Now, while that might be empirically true, because America was a white majority, and, you know, at that point in time, the black population was even smaller than it is today. Well, that might be a contextually uh, accurate description, what it is, is philosophically imbecilic because it's not white people that are the problem. The problem is the government. The problem is a power structure in which you have a persons or people that are able to be dominated by another segment of the population, aka pure democracy or aka any mob rule circumstance. And that is what America has as a problem in the most part. Government exacerbates that problem. Think about virtually everything that's happened to the black population. It's not the fault of a race. It is the fault of a government system. That's where if you talk about systematic racism, you're not talking about the way in which, this is what drives me nuts when you hear about white fragility and all this other shit and blaming people for the actions of the past and blaming white people today and saying that we're evil and we should feel guilty and we should feel bad for us. I'm sorry, but... Everyone is complicit in building this society wherein government has this much power. White people built this society on our, on our own, right? And it's fucking us too, but the problem is government. And when you say we're going to point our fingers at white people in 2021 and say, you guys are fucked, you're assholes, you should feel bad, you feel horrible at this, you guys are evil, you're ignoring the main culprit, which is the governmental system, which the majority of people pointing their fingers at the white population only are ignoring. They're seemingly oblivious of what is giving people the power to force this initiative on people, to force people to live in a certain area, to force people to be, you know, to break up families, to force people into scenarios in which they are more enticed to have a broken family unit and to subsist off poverty wages so that they don't have to operate in the real world or don't have to move up and be motivated because the government is in control. They are keeping them in that gilded cage. It's not white people, guys. It is fucking government. It is these systems of power that are self-perpetuating, that are designed to grow larger and larger, that are staffed and employed with and controlled by people that make millions of dollars, that have friends that make millions of dollars, and that have an ever-expanding staff that is paid off and have some of the best pensions and best benefits and least amount of responsibility can never be fucking fired. This is the problem. When you allow this monstrosity to grow, become a blob, you are going to have more of this, not less. And it just drives me nuts to think, do you not think that there are governments the world over that have, that have performed atrocities on their people? I mean, look at Africa, for fuck's sake. Do you not think, I mean, in Africa, for all of the murders, for all the, the mass killings that have gone on, can we say, uh, you fucking white people? You created those those damn African tribes, then you went and cut their hands off and forced them to vote one way and raped all their women and don't allow their kids to go to school and, you know, keep their children. I mean, look at Afghanistan. Is it is it fucking white people 
that go around murdering people, keeping, uh, again, not allowing children to be educated or women to be educated, not allowing people to drive in Saudi Arabia. This is not a white people problem. This is a government problem. This is a system of authoritarian control problem that we've somehow allowed to be poisoned and and, and subverted into a conversation about race rather than a conversation about permissible power and how that permissible power quickly turns into authoritarian rule and how mob rule and how it's like I go back to slavery, right? (laughs) Slavery, the world over. The world over existed. It's not a white people thing. White people didn't go and steal slaves from all over the fucking place. In fact, Africans enslaved each other and then sold them to the slave traders, not just white, but Portuguese and Spanish and every other slave trader across the world, right? Those many governments there, these tribal governments went and warred against each other. And by the way, individuals don't war. Governments war to the point where they can subsume entire sects of people and enslave them. That is a governmental act, not an individualist act. But you look the world over at slavery, at war, at mass murder, at the creation of ghettos, at the creation of welfare systems, the creation of anything where you have two segments of the population in a caste system, right? You have India, you have Afghanistan, you have any, I mean, there's a million examples in China, in fucking Tibet, where the monks were the the highest caste and they had these basically servant, serf class people that were working under them, that that's really what was the big problem with fucking Tibet. It's not hey, fuck you, whitey, it's, hey, wake the fuck up and realize the problem here. The problem here is that you are permitting a government to have that power. And that shit ain't right. So anyway, I had one more thought about the Candyman thing I just thought was so fucking funny. The movie Candyman is about a guy who was a murderous, well, initially, you know, if you don't know the story of Candyman, I'm not giving anything away here, but it's a nice guy who gets killed by cops, right? He gives candy away. But I just thought it was so funny that the concept of the Candyman really encapsulates government. If you're talking about a mass murderer, a man who, when you engage too much, just decides to fucking mow you down while handing you candy, you are describing the government to a T. Who else do you know of that gives out everything, gives out gives out dollar bills like it's no big deal, gives out trillions of dollars to people during COVID, all the while while shutting your business down, all the while while dropping bombs and committing murder in your name. Thanks, Candyman. Candyman, 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 Candyman. And then fucking Joe Biden pops up behind you with a hook. And he, but of course, if Joe Biden pops up behind you in a hook, he doesn't know what to do with it. Where, where, where am I? Where, I'm going I'm to shoot you straight. I don't know where the fuck I am. <laughs> Joe Biden is candy man. Meanwhile, he's giving Hunter Biden nose candy. All right. Uh, one more thing I too on this kick and then I'll move on to something else here. Um, you know, I was uh, looking at this fucking bullshit with the CDC and there was, uh, or I'm sorry, not the, not the CDC. I, I uh, mistook my own, horrible agency. It's not the CDC. It's the NHS, the British version of the CDC, which has published a blog and its official website called Dear White People in the UK. Now, let me go ahead and open up this article because I want to read you some of these little uh, tidbits. And again, this is on the NHS.UK website. This is a health website, which now is taking it upon themselves to tell people that it's a health issue that white people hate themselves. Blog, Dear White People in the UK. 
This is by As- Aishnin. I'm just going to say Ashenine because it's Asinine. Ashenine Be- Benjamin, Equality, Diversity, and Inclusion Lead at the Nursing and Midwifery Council. Because <laughs> that's, you know, you get into midwifery, you've got a PhD in lecturing white people. So, of course, they say the first step, you have to read White Privilege, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack by Peggy McIntosh and naturally Robin DiAngelo's race-baiting bestseller, White Fragility. So what do they say the tips are for white people in the UK? Number one, don't be defensive. This isn't personal. It's not really about you. Everybody is at a disadvantage when our formal institutions perpetuate inequalities. But then they quickly make it very personal. <laughs> Listen to the next couple. Two, don't say I'm not political to excuse yourself from this conversation. Right now, ignorance isn't an excuse. You can't see what you have seen. That seems pretty personal to me. I can't unsee what I've seen. How do you know what I've seen? How do you know? How do you know what I've fucking seen? How do you know what I've seen is perpetuating racial inequality? How do you know what I've been doing isn't going around treating everybody the same, being nice to people, you know, giving people jobs, employing everybody equally? No, no, no. It's not. Don't be defensive though. It's not about you personally, but you know, you can and see what you've seen. Number three, you don't have to be vocal, but do listen. Listening means being open to hearing what black and minority ethnic people are saying. Be open to their lived experiences if they choose to talk about them. You would be hard pushed to find a black or Asian person that doesn't have a personal story of racism. Well, maybe that's true. I know there's lots of people that don't have stories of racism out there. Uh, and also, we have created and fostered an environment wherein virtually any interaction can be considered a story of racism. And number five, I'll skip ahead one because I'll go back. There's number four too. Number five, be uncomfortable. That's the tip. You should be uncomfortable. I've talked about this on the show before. If I'm uncomfortable around black people, if I'm not comfortable in my own skin as a white person because I've been taught to hate myself, hate my skin color, and feel that I'm an oppressor of these people, and I should walk around always apologizing, always knowing that my ancestors, even if I haven't personally done anything wrong, that I have bought into a system of inequality and oppression, and that my ancestors were real sons of bitches, and that I bear that scarlet letter of R on my chest for racist. So I should be uncomfortable. That's what it's telling me. Now, if I'm walking around constantly uncomfortable, and I see a black person walking down the street. Well, I'm probably going to be a little odd. I'm probably not going to know exactly when to say hi. If I should say hi, should I ignore this person? If I ignore this black guy walking down the street, is he going to take it as a slight? Because I didn't look up and give him the, hey, what's up, bro, nod. Yeah, you know that nod. <laughs> when, when you look up. <laughs> the struggle is real. So I don't give him the, what's up, bro, nod. Right? So now he thinks, oh, that white fucking motherfucking racist. That guy doesn't want to acknowledge my presence because I'm a black man and the white man has kept me down and the white man is evil and that racist bastard is perpetuating this inequality. And if he was another white person, he would have nodded. Now, for me, I'm probably more inclined to nod at somebody of another race rather than old whitey because uh, I don't I don't worry about old whitey thinking that he's going to be inferior to me. So I got in my way probably to nod to the black people. But then what if I nod to a guy and he goes, oh, this guy's just fucking nodding to me to make sure he's patronizing me now because he's making sure this motherfucker doesn't know me. He's just nodding because I'm black. Cool. All right. He's got a win-win situation there, right? That they've created this. Be uncomfortable. So now you have fostered a system wherein everybody's going to be reading racism into everything. Now, this was not the case 20, 30 years ago, but we have developed an industry around being offended. 
It's the be offended, be a victim industry that they have fostered that is now out there that we are seeing play out in films, play out in the in every single aspect of society, from hiring to education to uh, cultivating artworks to entertainment industry. It is all about fostering uh, a system of victimhood, of making sure we know every single distance or difference between everybody and, and dwelling on it, just dwelling on it in depth. So anyway, going back to number four, work on your empathy. Visualize myself in the other person's shoes. Discrimination is dehumanization, and the only way to see a person as human is to empathize with them. Again, I think we're in a self-defeating cycle here. Because everyone, I mean, I, I, I've been watching Sesame Street with my kid, right? I've watched... 30 years of Sesame Street, right? Every single one, we watch it in the morning with my kid. On the weekends, it's just on in the background, right? Songs and ABCs and letters and all that shit. She's not even watching it that intently. She's still so little, but we keep it on so that she says, oh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, great. Okay, and there's a train, but there's also emphasis on different cultures, different languages. They go to Africa. They have a multicolored, you know, literally the United Colors of Bennington on this show. And it's been that way since the get-go. You have people that have been on that show for 50 years. They're so old now. It's like a time machine. You watch season one and their kids, not kids, but they're probably 25, 30 year olds. And now they are in their 70s, 80s. But it's the same black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people, all the different colors of the rainbow. Have it on this show since 1970. You get what I'm saying here? We have been taught to empathize for that long. We have been banging this drum for so long, forever. And, you know, it worked on me. When I was growing up, I was like, great, colorblind, I don't give a shit. Everybody's the same. I didn't think about having to nod to somebody walking down the street. I didn't really think twice about it. I smiled when I saw interracial couples. I still do. But now they pushed it into your mind that you have to be concentrating on it. So you don't think that we all fucking empathize? We're we're beaten over the head with this every day. Black people went through this. Asian people went through this. Hispanic people coming across the borders. Won't you think of these people's experience? Won't you please think about what they went through? Yes, we all have. We thought about it. We, we've thought about it. We've dwelled upon it. We've been taught it. It's been inundated. Let it fucking go. It's now having a... Uh, the opposite effect, I promise you, it is having the opposite effect. Like I was just talking about the white pills on my Good Morning Fuck It episode. <laughs> this is, a, a, a without a doubt, in part, these people coming around from a progressive point of view to a libertarian point of view is in part due to this obsession culturally with playing up victimhood and just not allowing people a minute to stop and breathe and just live their lives. These people are losing their own battle. I promise you, you're going to start seeing it. It's happening now. People are going to start losing this battle. And that's for the good of humanity. Because the more emphasis there is on the differences between us, on people stealing from each other's cultures and what happened in the past and how everyone has to hate each other and remember that there is such a piece of shit. It's not good for humanity, especially in the social media era. And the... NHS is buying into it. But fortunately, the NHS is a government organization. And fortunately, during COVID, most of the healthcare organizations in the uh, the world over haven't taken their knocks. And stupid shit like that's not going to help. So God bless. But you know what will help, guys? 
I want to tell you about uh, my buddy. Obviously, you guys know Jason Stapleton over at Wealth, Power, and Influence. He is a good buddy of mine. Sadly, just escaped L.A. to uh, hot-ass Arizona. Uh, fuck Arizona. It's too hot. But he has launched an interesting new venture, which I'm a part of. Mark's a part of. Odie's a part of. We're all in there. And as are many other libertarian people that I know, because this is a, it's basically called the Nomad Network. Now, Jason's built out a network. And, and what it is, is it's kind of funny. It was an idea that, and I, he didn't steal my idea, by the way, this is, but it was something where John and Mark and I were talking about what we want to do with lines. And I was, you know, emailing one night and I was like, God, we should build out the, like a, a network, like a place where libertarians can find other libertarians to collaborate, to build projects out, to find jobs. You know, there's, there needs to be something like that because one of the problems with libertarianism is that there's not enough leadership as far, insofar as creating businesses, creating wealth, Right. We want to be successful. We tell people, well, this is the way you should do it. But where are our multimillionaires? Where are our leaders in industry? Where are the people that are the scions of what's next? Where are our fucking luminaries leading the way with the bright torch, lighting the Olympic flames? God, my nose just started to like crazy. He's created basically that idea. It's called the Nomad Network. You can join for free right now, actually. Uh, you have to go to Nomad Network. Oh, sorry. Hold on. I have to read the full URL because it gets fucked up if I don't. Okay, www, make sure you put in www, www.nomadnetwork.app forward slash lions. You can get in for free using that link. And I'm in there. I got to tell you, man, I'm impressed by it already. I'm actually going to get involved uh, doing some classes in the Nomad Network. I'm going to teach, as you know, I'm, I'm a public relations professional. I've been doing it for 20 years. I am as expert as you can get in this field. So I'm going to be doing some basics on public relations, how you can promote your company, how to work with media, what makes for a good story, what makes for a good angle, how not to piss people off in the media, how to get coverage, et cetera. So I'm going to work with them on that. And that's part of what the Nomad Network is, is educational materials. But on the other side, I'm in there looking at people posting jobs. Like I still have to post my official, like, here I am, who's here's what I do. But I'm already going in the community. I'm seeing people post, hey, I need to hire somebody to do this. I need somebody that's a programmer. I need somebody that's a logo designer. I need somebody that's working in this regard. So I'm already seeing people posting jobs in the libertarian community. It's fucking awesome. So check that out, guys. If you want to find, you know, like I said, jobs, collaborators, um, they've got, you know, he's got his podcasts in there. It's going to be classes. Check it out. I think it's going to be an awesome thing for Liberty. Again, go to www.nomadnetwork.app. I had to make sure I got that right. You make sure you put in the www. Something gets messed up with the link if you don't right now. www.nomadnetwork.app forward slash lions. And you can get your free account. You can find it also. I mean, if you don't want to get a free account, you can just go to nomadnetwork.app. But use that link I just gave you if you want to get the free account. Okay, moving on. So the other things I want to talk about on the show today. Um, you know, <laughs> again, I'll just talk about the NHS, right? Now I have to look at uh, the CDC, which has published a guide with preferred terms Americans should use. And it suggests citizens should refrain from using dehumanizing language like inmate or foreigners <laughs> in the name of public health. So this is this is the guide. It's a it's called preferred terms for select population groups and communities and goes into I, I've got a ton of these different ones. I'll just try to pick and choose because there's, there's so many of them. Disability. Instead of saying disabled or differently abled or handicapped, 
right? And now remember, these phrases have changed. You used to be able to say disabled, <laughs> differently abled used to be the polite thing to say. Handicapped used to be the polite thing to say. Instead of being like, hey, you know, retard, you can't say that anymore. So now afflicted, confined to a wheelchair. Instead of saying all these politically correct terms that we thought were the appropriate things to say as little as three years ago, now you have to say people with a disability, people who are deaf or hard of hearing or who are blind or have low vision, <laughs> people with an intellectual or de de developmental disability. Again, why do you, they're like, you have to be extra super particular about how you say these things. You can't just say disability, guys. That's too easy. You got to really jump through the hoops here. Make it, make it a real challenge for yourself. I mean, for fuck's sake, you're not allowed to say people that are that have disabilities are vulnerable anymore because that's insulting. And of course, the CDC has got its own little marker. They're aware that some individuals with disabilities prefer to use identity first terminology. So first you re refer to the disability, then the the rest of the language. I, I, I just, a, a, a wheelchair woman. <laughs> Is that what they're talking about? Uh, that's. That's deaf man over there. Deaf man, Bob. It's just ridiculous. They've got this for drug abusers. Instead of saying an alcoholic, persons with an alcohol use disorder. Instead of saying a person who is a crackhead, you say persons who smoke drugs. <laughs> uh, healthcare access. Listen to this shit. Apparently saying underserved people or communities or the underserved is now politically incorrect slash racist slash uh, I don't even know classist. Can't say that anymore. You can't say the uninsured anymore. Instead, people who are underserved by, mm, you have to be very specific. You can't confuse underserved people at McDonald's or underserved people at the bar who aren't drunk enough with somebody that's underserved as far as getting health access, guys. People who are underserved by mental health, behavioral health resources. I think you've heard enough. Oh, they have one for homelessness, too. Of course, you can't say homeless anymore. People experiencing homelessness. It's just it, it, all of this shit is so maddening. It's so like somebody in the government got paid money to do this. And I'm sure they spent hours and hours in meetings refining this language, making sure that they got everything right. And it is empirically the stupidest fucking shit I have ever seen in my life. Just think about some of the ones I just read to you. Instead of saying somebody's disabled, now you have to say very specifically how they're disabled. Because God forbid you, you lump them in. Instead of saying somebody is homeless, affected by homeless. What is the point of this? This is semantic nonsense. This is linguistic gymnastics for the purpose of nothing. It is like going to the Olympics and running out onto the fucking Olympic stage. You're doing some backflips and then the judges are gone. Who the fuck? cares about this shit? Who the fuck cares? Can you imagine somebody writing you an email back after you referred to a community that's underserved and ripping your asshole because you dared to say, oh, well, they're just underserved and not underserved by a very specific sub-variant of the healthcare agency uh, food stamps, but only in the eco-socionomic eco status wherein you need to use them just for bread. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing here? This is now Byzantine like IRS tax law. They are creating such a linguistic, like I said, hoop jumping circus that it is becoming as complicated as tax law. And with just as many agents working on it, making sure that you can't fucking understand it. This is academia. This is activist academia 
playing out in government. The only other place you see this shit is in these foo-foo, nonsense social journals, right? Where it's, you know, make up terms, uh, and a cross-intersexual, lesbian, canine, uh, fondness, whatever the, you know, just lumping together made up words that nobody uses. Latinx. It's Latin. It's the Latinxing of descriptive terms for populations impacted in various ways by health crises, but we're supposed to now change and memorize and alter this shit. This is cuckoo. Cuckoo duck cakes. And I can't help but think, again, I'm I'm pissed about it. I think it's idiotic, but I'm white-pilled about it, baby. This is the absurdity of life. This is the crazy nonsense that is going to wake people up when they see this. And hopefully we got to spread this around, guys. Like I said, spread this around. Share this episode. Share the links. Go to lionsofliberty.com slash episodes slash ELL245 and find the link to this CDC article and share it across all your social media platforms so people can see just how ridiculous this is. Just what an exercise in futility, what an exercise in masturbatory linguistic chicanery this is, helping nobody, confusing everybody. For what? Because a, a person, a wheelchair woman complained? I, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. I'd rather just give money to the Special Olympics and be done with it than have to memorize the linguistics behind it. Unbelievable, man. Oh, so Biden administration also just moving on to another topic here. Biden administration now has created a special, special little division that wants to treat climate change as a health issue. Of course, this is all in the efforts to control because if it's a health issue, much like with COVID guys, well, if it's a health issue that they have all sorts of leeway to now impose sanctions and regulations, to impose lockdowns, to impose uh, bailouts, to, you know, force people to jump through all sorts of regulatory hoops. This is a bad. This is not good. This is pure evil. This shows you this entire climate hustle, right? And whether or not you believe climate change is real, the, ind the industry created behind climate change, the climate hustle is very real. I talked about a couple episodes ago, just how prolific the climate change industry had become, the money behind green energy, behind green research, behind green organizations, behind all this other shit is so massive. It dwarfs the fossil fuel industry by tenfold easily. And now you're seeing the government try to make its power even more forthright. They've seen what they can do with COVID. I don't think that these things are unrelated. As I said, these are definitely related. When you have climate change being positioned as a health issue, which empirically you could argue that maybe pollution is a health issue, clean water access. But of course, everyone in America already has access to clean water. America has quite improved pollution compared to virtually every other country in the world. And even during Donald Trump's reign, pollution still went down. Carbon still went down to the point we were actually ahead of the Paris Agreement. Do you know that? We were ahead of the Paris Accords. But they don't want you to know that. So by positioning this climate change, an amorphous topic, which can mean anything, because as we know, they already changed it from global warming because that was a losing political PR battle as it was proven that there was not consistent warming, as they were saying. Climate change being a healthcare topic now means, as I said, that they can do virtually anything. If you want to do anything, simply say it's climate change and do it. Ah, it's been a long time since I did a song in this show. Next episode, guys, song. I promise you, song about something. I don't know what, but song about something forthcoming. It's been too long.
but I just I just love it. COVID has given them all the person, all the all the evidence they need that healthcare is the way that government expands its authority and its totalitarianism into this fascistic instinct. This is the way that they win everything. So keep your ears tuned. You're going to see more of it tying everything into health. Um, just talking about a couple more things here on the vaccination tip. Uh, the CDC, while we're talking about the CDC, also changed the definition of vaccination from a vaccine that makes you virtually immune to a virus or a disease, which is what they were, right? If you were vaccinated, you could not get it in any tangible sense. It was eradicated. You were immune to that virus. You know, if you get a polio vaccine, you're pretty much immune to polio. You're not getting polio anymore. Well, now they changed it to providing protection or some sort of, uh, actually, let me find the exact phrase right here. Uh, not just protection, but they said now it is, yeah, the act of introducing a vaccine into the body to produce protection from a specific disease. This is no longer the previous definition, which was to produce immunity. So why are they doing that? Because that's a pretty specific thing. Oh, that's right. Because they've completely redefined what vaccinations mean because the results of the vaccinations they're trying to force on the entire American population are not effective. Uh, they don't provide immunity. They don't provide what you'd want insofar as uh, the population getting past this crisis. If anything, I would say they could be actively encouraging quicker mutation and stronger variants of the virus. You know, like I was saying on, on the uh, previous rant, actually, I think it was a good morning fuckhead that one of our, our patron members was talking to me about. We're talking about mass injections of a certain variety of vaccine in the population and presuming that this virus is just going to react and be like, oh, okay, well, peace. All right, well, I, I'll, where, where should I go? Should I go at the back? All right, Ooh, exit stage left. That's not the way viruses work. <laughs> they, they always mutate. If this is, in fact, like the flu bug, which it is, it's just going to continue to mutate. And having a population that's inoculated against one variant, you could argue quite logically, is going to cause other variants to mutate even faster because you've now sped up the natural process of the virus, which would have run its course, right? Naturally run its course through the population. People have had natural immunity, which is far more effective. We know that for a fact now. Natural immunity more effective and longer lasting against all variants, not just the original Delta or not just the original COVID variant alpha. Now you've got a population which is, you know, basically <laughs> upsetting the natural order and evolution of this virus. And it looks to be speeding it up. You're seeing people get infected that have been double vaccinated. You're seeing Portugal and Sweden and a, a ton of other countries cut off any travel to Israel because Israel has a massive outbreak of Delta where, you know, a, a huge swath of the population has been, been coming down with this and hospitalized, even though they are the most vaccinated population. Well, vaccinated against what then? If they're all getting sick, it seems like they've been vaccinated against jack shit to me, doesn't it? I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm speaking, by the way, I'm going to be speaking this weekend, on Friday, if you hear my voice, if you're in L.A., come for a free event. The L.A. Bastiat Society is hosting me. I'm going to be giving a talk. I'm going to talk about this concept that uh, apparently being right doesn't matter anymore. You know, 
So maybe we should get around around that as a messaging thing. Thinking about that one, I think that's going to bring that up. That, and I'm going to talk a little bit about homelessness and branding for liberty in 2021, how to communicate with people. And again, I'm seeing a lot of movement uh, and white-pilling of myself. So I'm going to talk about how we can forward that. But reality and truth don't seem to matter anymore. We got we to gotta try to get into this emotional, uh, common sense point of view. Because... Pointing out the the check marks where we've been right about this shit, pointing out the check marks of reality don't seem to be working. So we need to find a way of reaching people that goes beyond this, where we can get past that instinct, that rebound effect instinct that people have. Um, so yeah, anyway, I'll talk more about this on Friday. Come on out, guys. I think it's going to be in uh, Silver Lake, if I'm remembering correctly, but it's free. It's on, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes again, lionsofliberty.com forward slash episodes slash ELL245. Come on out, join me. I'm going to be uh, drinking whiskey and spouting my liberty knowledge. But uh, I just, I don't know, it's just so funny to me. We're changing the entire definition of the fucking word. Crazy. And then last thing I wanted to talk about real quick is just, uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at reactions from a lot of people I'm talking to, right? And there's something you can't reach, but I'm looking at the way in which culture is turning a bit. Like I was just on my way back. I went to Costco, one of my favorite places in the world, but went to Costco today, bought some stuff. And on the way back, I'm listening to the radio and there's a song on the radio and it's called uh, like Hollywood Sucks, I think was the name of the song, right? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm in on this song already. I live in L.A. This place does fucking suck. You know, <laughs> the weather's good, but people are leaving it for a good reason. And I do think Larry Elder is going to replace Gavin Newsom, by the way, which is another big white pill. I think you're going to see him win uh, pretty handily. And I think people are, are very happy about that. So getting back to the song, it was by Travis Barker and uh, I think a guy named Kenny Wood. So basically there was a line in the song that they kept repeating, which was pretty funny. And it was like, can you move your fucking Prius? You're not Jesus. Uh, he, he wouldn't come here. He hates LA or something like that. <laughs> and just like Hollywood sucks. I'm moving to Wisconsin. You know, and I can't remember the exact theme of the song, but I'm like loving it, man. Cause I'm thinking, you know, this is yet another white pill. This is yet another indication that the culture is changing. Of course, Travis Barker is trying to reach a younger population, right? And I told you guys already, I'm seeing the younger population change. Now, there's a battle, as I talked about last week with Ben Powell. If you missed my, my talk with Ben Powell about Socialism Sucks, his book, and reaching the younger generation, uh, it's something worth exploring and worth listening to. And again, this is another topic which I'm going to think about quite a bit. And when I go to Austria, which I'm going to be in Austria for the Austrian conference, you can still submit papers. You should come with me. It's going to be awesome. Austrianconference.org, guys. Austrianconference.org. I will be there the whole time. I'm doing a live podcast with some of the luminaries that are going to be speaking there. And I think one of the things I'm going to ask people on the panel is how we communicate most effectively to the younger generation, free market capitalism. How do we reach these kids who have been taught by these socialist teachers that capitalism is evil and that socialism has just been done wrong? But I'm seeing fucking Travis Barker, Kenny Wood doing this song about how your Prius is a piece of shit. Get the fuck out of the way. You're not Jesus for driving a Prius jerk off. You're just an asshole blocking the road that's full of himself. Hollywood sucks. I'm going to Wisconsin. 
You got to get out of these progressive cities. You got to move out somewhere where it's not covered in progressive ideology, where it's not tearing itself apart, where it's easy to live, where people are left, leave you, leave you the fuck alone. The culture is changing. These people have overplayed their hand. They just don't know it yet. But you're seeing it seep up through the cracks. You're seeing it like that old Eels song, like a daisy through concrete, my friends. You're seeing this pop up. You're seeing these little seeds start to flower. People are seeing it. People are waking up. We are winning. Believe that. Talk to yourself about it at night when you're trying to fall asleep. Share this show. Subscribe. Tell people to watch our uh, YouTube page. Tell people to listen to the podcast. Hopefully, this episode isn't getting all fucked up. It looks like it keeps kind of stuttering on my screen. I swear to God, if it's gonna, if it's all fucked up and there's glitches, I'm keeping it because I don't have time today to do anything else. <laughs> I got to go get my kid and my wife just got fucking pins out of her wrist. So anyway, that's it. Guys, I got to tell you, listen to another great podcast. Our buddy Matt McKinley over at Burning Daylight, a real-ass cowboy, cowboying, libertarian slanging, talking about real-life, real experiences from the back of a horse. Fucking awesome podcast. Check it out. You will uh, you will not experience another podcast like it. Love him. Called Burning, B-U-R-I-N, apostrophe, Daylight. Burning Daylight. Check that out. And don't forget to listen to all of our other fantastic podcasts here at the Lions of Liberty. Of course, Mark on Mondays with his uh, flagship show, Lions of Liberty. He's going to be recording with uh, Jason Stapleton and Dave Smith having a, not a debate, but a conversation about moving Liberty forward. As you know, they're not seeing eye to eye, but going to be a hell of a conversation. But you can see that live Friday. If you don't want to come see me live in person, but you want to watch this debate live, get into our Patreon Again, patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. You can watch that live as it unfolds. And um, Mark's been having some great guests on as well, of course. You know, we just, we've gone through quite the run, I should say, of fantastic guests during our debate series. I, of course, debated Tho Bishop, had a fun time debating him about whether or not people should vote DeSantis or Dave Smith. Go back, listen to that. Let me know who won. And John just had Dave Smith on his show as well on Thursday, talking about basically finding freedom in your own life. We were gonna, we were jokingly saying we should name my show in the middle of the week, uh, Ben Powell and Dave Smith. Just kidding, just to have Dave Smith week across the fucking boards. Anyway, listen to him, subscribe to him. I love you guys. Uh, thanks for the support. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. For me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty.